0: You guys I think you guys have met my spiritual daddy Dan Mower. Yeah. He's the he's the man that I met when I was suicidal and walked into a church. And I said, I need to talk to somebody. I was gonna shoot myself. I went to a gun cabinet to get a gun to shoot myself, and on the way to the cabinet I passed by a phone book and Flipped it open and opened at churches and I made a mark at one of the 586 churches in my hometown, drove there and met Dan. I promise, man. He goes, come on in, buddy. I said, I'm not your buddy. And he was so happy and I was so mad that he was so happy. Made me mad. What do you have to be happy about? And I went upstairs, He he said, let's go to the sanctuary. And I'm thinking, birds. I don't know what a sanctuary is. I'm not church, buddy. I have no clue. No grid. I have 22 years of addiction, atheism, anger, and hatred. And just came from a gun cabinet. Because I was going to put a shotgun in my mouth and end my life. And Dan tells me, let me tell you about Jesus. I said, I didn't come here to hear about Jesus. He goes, this is a church. (laughs) But in my heart and in my life, Jesus wasn't in a church because the church wasn't about a Jesus that was real, the church was about themselves as hypocrites. And that's what I believed. And if you talk to an atheist, they'll tell you it's a building full of hypocrites. You with me? I'm not saying you are. I'm telling you that that's what the world believes. I was that. I was that guy that thought that all of you were shysters and after people's money. And I did. I mean, you see the people on TV, give me your money, give me your money, give me your money. But, uh, pass by sometimes, see people fall down. Pastors are pushing people down like that's just stupid. That was me. That's what I believed. That's what maybe some of you believed. Were you guys born in church? No? No, you were born in sin just like me, right? Okay, good. Woo! That's good. <clears throat> some of you. Are, how, how many of you have never heard me before? Oh, okay, so most of you have. Well, good luck to the ones that haven't. <laughs> I do. I, I love Jesus now. But back then, I was really, 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 really mad. I mean, I was with my girlfriend for nine years. I had a seven-and-a-half-year-old kid. Threatened to kill her for seven years if she left. That, that was me. That's the man that Dan met. But then that man died. <clears throat> not because, Not because of the way I wanted it to happen. But because of the way that God wanted it to happen. And I think the key to all of this is that we need to all die. You can't live unless you die. You have to die to live. It's such a good, good deal. It doesn't say deny the devil, pick up your cross. It says deny yourself. And that's the issue. I love what you said about fear. About what you said, I don't know why the church is afraid. I don't even know why the church thinks that she has to be a slave to sin. People get so mad when I talk about this. Religion's offended by that. Because we've taught Romans 7 in such a twisted, weird way. We've taught the church that they're always going to be sinners. I've got news for you. When you got saved, you became a saint in the eyes of the Father. When you know that you're a saint, you're no longer a slave to sin. Alright, some of you are on the same page, good, we're going to be good. here. Well,
1: I met your pastor,
0: so I, know, so I know y'all are on the same page. I just, I have one message, one. I mean it's the whole Bible, but it's one message, and it's all about us being free from us. Really, the gospel sets you free from you, and if you're free from you, you're free from everybody else. Nobody else is your barometer on how your day goes your job's not your barometer, your boss isn't your barometer, your wife's not your barometer, your kids aren't your barometer. No one else can determine how you live your life except yourself. Self-control is the spirit that, part of the spirit that God gave us. It's a fruit of the spirit that's underestimated. God didn't give us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. But that sound mind is actually self-control. And we have to learn and understand what it means to live in the fruit of self-control. Do you know that gifts are given, but fruit is grown? All the gifts are free. Like they're given. Jesus gave the gift. But the one gift that Christians fail to operate in and fail to really open is the gift of righteousness. Because the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace is the reality of what Jesus told us to begin with and finish with you know there's a crown of righteousness laid up for you? Oh my gosh, that's going to be amazing. Do you know what it's like to live every day right with God? To wake up right with God? To go to sleep right with God? To wake up in the middle of the night right with God? Every day and to not have any guilt, any shame, and any condemnation? Look, I was an addict for 22 years and hurt tremendous amounts of people. And Jesus, when I got saved, he said, you're no longer that person. And I have preached this since I got saved. I remember preaching this out of the gates. And man, so many people said, you need to chill out, man. You need to relax. You're new. You don't understand. You haven't been a Christian for a long time. You need to be careful with what you're saying. They tell me, you're opening doors. And I'm like, that's not even biblical. You can't open doors. God opens doors. Well, you're opening doors for the devil, that's fear. We're out there praying for people. Who's your covering? I'm going to Walmart, dude. I'm going to the grocery store. Well, who's your covering? I'm like, I don't know. Jesus. I I, I don't know about covered, but I'm clothed. I'm clothed with him. I've got armor. I've got this breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart because my heart's been consumed with righteousness consumed with the love of God I'm consumed with his love therefore I am not going to live in fear because when you're consumed with the perfect love of God all fear is cast out it's when you don't understand his love that you walk in fear when I tell you that Jesus loves you people say well, well I said do you hear the good news and people go What? They think I'm going to say, I saved $200 on my car insurance. (laughs) Geico, right? But when I say, did you hear the good news? Jesus loves you. Well, I knew that. I don't think you did. (laughs) And I don't think you do. I think it's old news instead of good news. I think that when we brought him in, it was great at the beginning. But do you understand that that's not when you experience first love? Can I come down here and be around the people? Okay. Because I'm not far from you. I just, I don't believe that first love is experienced when you get saved. I just don't. I believe that there is a communion process of growing and understanding God's love for you. Love you, man. Growing and understanding His love in an intimate way. It's where you start to enter into First love. First love isn't when you get saved. I mean, we've taught people that. No, no, God first loved us before we loved Him. So that's where we get the scripture in First John. But the truth is, is we don't understand what first love means when we get saved. We just know it's a whole new world when we get saved. <laughs> Do you know that it says that many are called? Many are called. Few are chosen. That's scary. Do you know what it says? As broad is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. Many are called, but few find it. That's a scary scripture. You know, the broad road isn't just for Muslims. The broad road is for Christians. Righteousness is the way. The Old Testament is about what we had to do to be right with God. The New Testament is about who we are because we've been made right with God. The the Old Testament is what we had to do to be right. You do this, you do this, you do 613 laws, 10 commandments all the days of your life and walk it out perfectly and it's impossible. But you can try. And every time you try, the harder you try, the more you fall. The harder you try, the more you fall. You can't bite your lip and not sin. You'll chew your lip off your face. You can't. It's not about trying not to sin. That's the key to this thing. You, you can't try not to sin. You have to fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with him so deep that nothing else matters but his love. That his love is the highest priority. Listen, let me ask you this. If I, fall, if I go into the first commandment, because Jesus talked about it. What's the first commandment? They said love He he's testing the Pharisees we we'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It says the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. And the second commandment is love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus said, do this. It's really good for you. And that's what he's saying. Do this. Why? Because everything's summed up in there. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Imagine that. All 613 laws and all 10 commandments. By the way, Jesus didn't do away with the commandments. Do you know that? I'm not under the law. No, but the commandments are still real. He didn't say, throw them all out, steal if you want, just love God. That's just dumb. That's so weird. No, if I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength, I am loving God with every part of my person. Do you know in order to sin, your mind has to premeditate it? Do you know that your hand can't cause you to sin? Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. How do you cut off? I've met people that have gouged out their eyes. Because their eye caused them to sin. And they literally plucked out their eyeball. You still have another eye. Do you think that was the eye that caused you to? Are you with me? Do you think that pornography leaves if you pluck out both eyes? You still have graphic images in your soul that are twisted and demonic. And it's the way that seems right to a man. Because when men grow up, they're taught that when they get the girl, they got it all. Come on, man. It's twisted, demonic, all kinds of demonic wisdom in there. And your eye isn't your issue. You are. Your hand isn't your issue. You are. It's the total package, man. Jesus didn't just come in to cover us with his blood. He didn't come to atone for our sin. Come on, man, I know that's a weird thing for the church to hear, but atonement isn't even in the New Testament. Atonement is in the Old Testament, and atonement means to cover over to cover over, to atone for. So animals, the blood of animals, atoned for sin, covered over, but there's still the penalty of death because the wages of sin is death. And that postponed the penalty for 365 more days until the next day of atonement came when the high priest went in and offered blood for the people's sins committed in ignorance. Jesus didn't atone for our sin. Understand that our conscience is defiled and twisted and messed up. And when you get born again, your conscience is still defiled and twisted and messed up. Being born again is essential to unlock your potential. It's the, it's the starting place. It's where God's spirit comes in and makes his home. But you have to wash yourself with the word. You have to wash yourself with the truth of what God says. You have to spend your time in that book and go after the reality of who does God say I am. And you have to fall in love with what God says about you. You can't be in love with what other people think about you. Fear comes from the fear of people, the fear of man, and that's demonic man. The fear of man. What do people think about me? Who cares what people think about me? Do you understand that, that this Christian walk is a walk of suffering? It's actually Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Jesus, the Son of God. Son of man, learned obedience to what he suffered. Man, come on, dude. Jesus suffered. Well, how did he suffer? Man, he suffered for doing good. He did nothing wrong ever to anybody. He did nothing but kindness. And they attacked him on a tree. And still, even on that tree, religion crucified relationship. And relationship on that tree cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why? Because religion has no clue what it's doing. It's trying to uphold the law, and it's trying to make people twice the son of hell as them when they convert. You guys okay? Because this is all scripture, man. You can try to get out of it, but the Holy Ghost won't let you. He won't. I love the word. I live there. It's my It's my favorite. Jesus is king, but He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. God is the Father of lights. He calls you lords, kings, and lights. That's scary, but I don't like that. Why? Because you think less of you than God does. That's why. Come on, man. Do you know that you a royal, royal priesthood? Do you know that you are a holy nation set apart? That's not in the Old Testament. Well, it is, but it's in the new one too. It actually comes from a God that denied Jesus. Peter. Do you know how many Christians tell me they can relate to Peter? Well, my question is, which one? So many people use Peter as a scapegoat to keep on messing up. Well, I can relate to Peter, brother. Why? Because you can relate to your sin. (laughs) You all right? Some of you were smiling and just turned totally different. No, because that's an excuse to remain in bondage. Peter was twisted because he wasn't saved. He denied Jesus. He didn't want to. In the strength of your strength of the strength of your flesh, you will still deny him. Whether you say you will or you won't, there's no way to not deny Him unless the Holy Ghost has capsized your ship. Oh, come on. Yeah. You need to be so on fire burning with Jesus that you're not afraid of the fire. When you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. When you squeeze an apple, you get apple juice. If I squeezed an orange into a cup and you drank it and it was apple juice, you would so be freaked out. And the reality of a Christian's life is that when they get squeezed by the devil, everything but Jesus comes out. And it ought not be right. When we get squeezed, Jesus ought to come out everywhere. The devil ought to be threatened when he touches us. But he's not so threatened because he's used to Christians just reacting. Ah! Man, you how know many people I say that I talk to, they're like, man, the devil keeps telling me. Okay. It's the devil that's telling you. Yeah, but well, he keeps saying, good. You're opposite. Amen. No, he keeps saying, well, he's never going to shut up. Yeah. Why? Because he's the stranger's voice. It's the only reason that we're listening is because we don't understand that we're supposed to hear Jesus' voice. My sheep will hear and obey my voice and the stranger's. They will not follow. Man, this is way more than it get out of hell free card Christianity isn't just huddle in the building and wait for him to return and pray for God to come back no go is two thirds of God we're supposed to go Matthew 10 says go preach the gospel of the kingdom what do you do when you go? you heal the sick Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Freely you've received, now freely give. Yeah, but where am I supposed to go? Just go somewhere. Gosh. We say the front lines of battle. Where is that? Your work. Your job. Walmart. The grocery store. The drug store. McDonald's. There's the front lines of battle. I'm not kidding, man. Every place that you go is the front line. But when you're silent, it's no longer the front line. Silence isn't a virtue unless you're married. (laughs) Be quick to listen and slow to speak. (laughs) Listening is really important. How many of you married folks know what I'm saying? For those of you that are not married, take heed. We want to be a listener, man. We want to be slow to speak, slow to wrath, slow to anger. We want to. I love Jesus with everything in me, man. I do. But I'll never water down the message for anybody. I don't care who I'm in front of. Ever. Oh, my gosh. Ever, never, 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 never. There's too many people that have been around big people that have watered down the message to gain seniority to gain. I promise you that your seniority with the Father diminishes when you try to gain seniority with men. (laughs) Oh, buddy. I'm so done. That's why I'm hated. It's so good. Um, I promise. I've got more hate. I have more haters. It's the craziest thing. Just because I believe the truth of the gospel. I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. I believe in prophecy. I believe in the raising of the dead. I believe it. I've met people that were dead that are now alive. I've met them I was with Heidi Baker just two years ago, two and a half years ago. I went over to, to help at the Harvard School over there. She's just a dear friend and mama in my life, just amazing. She goes, Todd, she goes, I want you to meet one of my sons. And I'm like, okay. So I walked into the room, and she's got all these teenagers in there that are her sons. And she goes, here, meet Armando. I said, hey, buddy, how are you? It's nice to meet you, sir. Real kind, real gentle. She goes, yeah, when he was four years old, he was swept into the river in the rainy season. And he was under the water for over four hours. And we pulled his little dead body from the the water out on the bank. And the little kids surrounded him and prayed life in Jesus' name. And after an hour, he got up. And here he is. I'm like, pray for me, dude. When you meet dead people that are alive again, it changes the way you think about the gospel. When you see someone that had spinal bifida that was folded backwards, straighten up and walk, it just changes things. Amen. When you see somebody carry their wheelchair, going over with Reinhardt to Africa and in the Crusades with Daniel and Reinhardt, C-Fan, and going there and seeing 600,000 people in the field. And Daniel, Daniel said, go up and just pray for healing. I'm like, there's 600,000 people. He says, yeah, just go up early and pray for healing. And I go, okay. So I go up and I taught on healing, the reality of healing. And I didn't know I wasn't supposed to have everybody lay hands on each other because they're not saved yet, you know. That's just backwards. I mean, there are people that are saved because they they line the crusade grounds with leaders and different churches. They have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches at different crusades. So I just had, okay, everybody put your hand on somebody. And we pray for the sick, you know. And all of a sudden, this joy erupts from the crowd. And, and you see wheelchairs and crutches and everything just sit up through the crowd. And you go, oh, my God. And the healing, the people start walking up to the front carrying their wheelchairs on sticks. And you just sit back and go, what did I do? You're never the same. I remember they were bringing people up to the side of the stage to talk about testimonies, you know, and Winfrey is a guy that has been with Daniel for, uh, been with Reinhardt for 40 years. Reinhardt went home to be with the Lord. I, he was a, uh, a spiritual daddy to me, too. I ran with those guys for seven years. I still help with Daniel. I'm headed there after today to help with his boot camp that they do. Down there, and I've been to Africa with them. I've done a whole bunch of schools of evangelism, 17 of them, with them all over the world. Gosh. Mm. So they're taking testimonies at the side of the stage, and Winfrey looks at me and he goes, Oh my God. This lady and her little four-year-old boy. And he's like, and he brings her up on stage, and they say, What did the Lord do for you? And they interpret, And she says, in Afrikaans, whatever happened, and she lifts up her son, and the crowd goes nuts. And I don't have any idea what she said, so I don't know what happened. So the interpreter goes, the boy was born without genitalia, and the Lord created it on the field. And she wants to pull his pants down to show everybody. And I'm like... I sat back and went, oh my God, you're so much bigger than I've known you are. You know what I said? Do it in America. Because he's no different here than he is there. I've seen the greatest, most amazing things here in the U.S. I didn't learn God in Africa. I learned him in America. You know, when I first went after this, I, oh, by the way, I almost didn't say anything. Um, I wrote my first book. You don't understand. God's been on me for eight years to do this. He said, I want you to write your supernatural journey with me. And I want you to write it in a format that a child can get it. And I'm like, okay. I have no idea how to write that way, but I think like a child, so I guess it'll come out that way. And I I can't type, I'm like peck away. So I have to speak it. So I literally recorded audio and with people locked myself in a room and just went, ooh. And then they, I don't know how they do it, but they, they brought it all back and typed it all out. It came out amazing. But I share a testimony in here, and I go into really, really detail about it. The reality of my journey from darkness to light and what Jesus did and about Dan and what happened and my journey into the supernatural. What does it mean to learn how to pray for the sick? Because I prayed for nine, thanks, buddy. I prayed for 900... Was I coughing or something? Did I need it? <laughs> <sighs> Thanks. Yeah. I prayed for over 900 people without seeing anybody healed. And everybody told me all these reasons of why they weren't. But I couldn't find any of them in the Bible. I really oh, did. Shit. Everybody told me why it's not working because my my. Beautiful wife, the one that I threatened to, the fiance, when I met Dan, when I met Dan, I went in the church, I was like, okay, whatever, that was my prayer, I was like trying to get Dan to get away from me, because I couldn't handle it anymore, I was like, whatever, dude, if he wants my life, he can have it, there, I did it, you good, you happy, that was my prayer, wasn't good, buddy, but there was a seed that went in, but it wasn't a surrender, it was Jesus incorporated, and that will kill you. This isn't Jesus incorporated. This is surrendered or not surrendered. There is no in between. You can't straddle a fence. Do you understand that you're either for Him or against Him? Do you know, I heard this dream of this, of this atheist. It was real. He had this dream. He, he goes to bed. He has this dream. There's this huge field. And in this field, you've got this one side over here, this other side over there, and a fence that's about that wide going up the center of this thing. And then he'd been taught Jesus as a kid, but he turned away from that thing, and he's like, whatever, it's just some fantasy. But on the one side of the fence, he sees the figure that looks just like Jesus. And he sees all these people with him, and then on the other side of the fence, do you understand the devil doesn't have a pitchfork? Do you know he doesn't have a tail in red? Like, we play him like that, but the Bible says that he's very seductive and attractive. He's not repulsive. If he was repulsive, we'd run from him. Come on, he's luring, he's seductive, he's full of lust, man. Tries to suck you in through sweetness. Man, that's bad. And all these people around this other one who, since he thinks that's Jesus, it must be the enemy, but he doesn't look like the enemy. But he's still, he's not going over there, he's not going over there, and he's like, he gets up on this fence, and he knows he has to make a choice in the dream. He doesn't make a choice, he gets on the fence. He's standing there, all the people with Jesus disappear, and all the people with the enemy disappear. And he's left by himself, and he's like, where did everybody go? And the devil comes back into the picture, and he goes, there you are, I was looking for you. He said, hey, I didn't choose him, and I definitely didn't choose you. He says, sure you did, the fence is mine. That's a real dream. The guy made a choice. But in his dream, he woke up and said, Jesus, I choose you. And he became a Christian when he woke up in the morning. That's powerful. Don't straddle some fence that you think is safe because it's not safe. It's not. Jesus said, I wish that you were cold or hot. I struggled with that when I first got saved. I'm like, Lord... At least when they're warm, they know you. Cold, that's where I was. I was freezing cold. Like freezing cold. I was safer freezing cold than people that are warm. That's a scary thought. Think about that. Think about that. Because when you're cold, you can switch to hot immediate. When you're hot, it means that you're burning Fervently. And none of that junk sticks to you. And you're just not of the world. You're in it, but you're not of it. You're living a Christian life that's burning. You're a torch, man. A torch. That's what we're supposed to be. Martyrs that are torches. Do you know that that's what we're supposed to be? Do you know the Bible says that you're supposed to be dead to sin? Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive unto God. Reckon yourself dead. Do you know that's in Romans 6? I love Romans 5. I've been peace with God, been made right with him, justified by faith. I have peace with God. Amazing. Romans 6, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. You're dead, you're buried with him. Baptism, you're dead. Reckon yourself dead to sin, alive to God. You're just dead. Romans 7, you don't raise from the dead. Romans 7, he's talking to people that understand the law. He says, I am speaking to those that know the law. And even though I want to do what's right, I don't. And I do what's wrong. And he's talking about this battle that he had as a Jew, as one that was under the law. That even though he knew what to do, he couldn't do it. Because it was sin in him that was doing it. And Romans 8 is by the, Spirit, by the 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 Spirit. Therefore, there is no longer any condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 starts out with, no, thank God through Jesus Christ who set me free. But Christians use the Romans 7 as a scapegoat to sin. And it's twisted and demonic. You are no longer a slave to sin. Jesus told the Jews, you are slaves to that one which you obey, either to sin or to righteousness. Do you know what I'm, I am a weapon. I am an instrument, a weapon of righteousness. I was a weapon for the devil to torment, to hurt, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But God took me out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, filled me with His Holy Ghost, filled me with His truth, possessed me in the secret place, and said, now go raise an army that makes the devil wish he never touched them. That's the reality of every Christian's life. You're like, well, I'm not called. Yeah, you are. You're called. You're justified and you're glorified. That's the scripture. That's the word. That's the truth. Yeah, but I don't know if I'm called. You're called. You say yes to Jesus, you answered. You called, I answer. No, wait, I called, you answered. Either way, you answered the call. You said yes. If you're here and you said yes to Jesus, you're in. You were drafted in. No one comes to the Father except through the Son, and no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws them. Now, because of you've been drawn by the Father, now if you just draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. There's a drawing, there's a hunger, and we are required to hunger for the right thing. And if you position yourself to hunger for the right thing, which is righteousness, you will capsize the reality of the way that seems right to a man in your soul. Because God wants us to be sanctified completely. Spirit, soul, and body. Are you with me? The God of peace sanctifies us completely. It's in Thessalonians. That's how the tales say it, so... The God of peace wants to sanctify us completely, spirit, soul, and body. When we get born again, our spirit is completely set apart. Our spirit is blameless, spotless. Come on, that's the beginning of born again. But if you'd understand, you become one spirit with God. Do you know that the Bible says that you become flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone? So how can you say your flesh is yucky? This is totally confusing to the body of Christ, because we've been taught religion. Instead of going into the Word and seeing what God says about us, am I saying that, you're, that you never miss it? No, I'm not. But I'm saying your habitual nature to just sin and get away with it has been done away with when you get born again. Before I sinned and didn't care. I, I didn't even know it was sin. It was life. It's the way that it works. It's just the way that it is. Pornography was the way that it worked. I was eight years old when I was addicted. Found my uncle's hustler book. It was over. Done. I was, I was hooked. Eleven years old, parent gets, parents get divorced. Twelve years old, I am living in a home called the Masonic Homes. Raised by the Masons, buddy. Just in there. Drugs became my everything because I had to get this thing to shut up because my mind was... <laughs> And I found when I got high, it chilled out a little. And then when I became unhigh, it came back again. By the way, I used all the excuses in the world when I was in school. I wrote the reports on marijuana and why we should legalize it and why we did. Now it's legal. And there are Christians that use weed on a regular basis. Because now it's been legalized. i got news for you. It dulls down your senses. And it says, do not be drunk with wine. But that also means do not be intoxicated with anything but the mighty Holy Ghost. People are like, well, I don't know, man. Because, you know, weed makes me just relax. makes me think. No, it makes you dull. It doesn't make you sharp. I got high for 22 years, man. I smoked about an ounce of weed a week. And I didn't want to share with nobody. I needed mine. Come on, man. Weed is becoming a major issue in the church. There are pastors that prescribe weed for their people. I've met them. I met them. It's not okay. We can't afford to lower the standard of of holiness and purity and the reality of it is, yeah but the world's changing bro you gotta like you know come on you gotta be relevant I will never sacrifice truth on an altar of cultural relevance ever yeah but you know what I mean I mean kids you know they they might be born they might be born one sex but really they were meant to be another that's Totally the devil, man. That's just totally demonic. Do you know Christianity's become is becoming a hate crime? You know that, right? If you can't even be bold when it's not a hate crime, how are you gonna be bold when it is? If we're silent when it's not a hate crime, if you're silent, look, this nation was founded on God. America was founded on one nation under God. Indivisible. With liberty and justice for all. We are losing our liberty. Yeah, but what are we to do? We're just little. No. The reason why the world has a voice is because the church has been silent. Silence is not a virtue, man. It's demonic. Well, people have parades in front their belief systems and do whatever they want. We've become silent. What we've said is we're not evangelists. They're evangelists. Let them do the work. That's demonic too. You don't need to be evangelists at your workplace. You just need to be possessed by the right spirit. You're either possessed by the spirit of the world or the spirit of Christ. You guys all right? You're not smiling. Bunch of you are looking at me like, "Dag, dude. dag." If you're having trouble with boldness, if you're having trouble praying for the sick and seeing healing regularly, if you're having trouble with condemnation, get my book. It's out in the lobby today. We have it here. We brought a bunch with us. Get the book. It will kickstart and jumpstart. I'm not much for like the sales of stuff. I'm really not. And actually, I, I really had trouble with writing the book because I saw so many people reading books but never reading this. It really, I struggled with it. Because like the first, I was 34 years old, went to Teen Challenge, and the first book that I could read became the Bible. I had all kinds of learning disorders, bipolar, ADHD. I was borderline schizophrenic. I had all kinds of twisted voices consistently constantly whispering to me all the time. I had a voice telling me to take my life since I can remember. You should just run your car off into a tree. You should get a gun. You should end your life. You should jump off this cliff. You should do I hear it all the time constant whispers to me constantly. Constant. Those voices get shut down when you hear his voice. I was depressed my whole life, my whole life. And I thought about suicide. I understand that a young man took his life. That was a a son of somebody here, of parents at the church. I'm sorry. We don't have to lose that battle again. Arm your kids. And I'm not saying that you didn't try to. Please don't hear me that way. I'm telling you that Jesus is king. And he wants us to understand who we are. This whole thing is about a fight for your identity. Do you know that? The devil's after you never knowing and understanding who you are. He's not afraid of you going to a building. He's not. He's not. Lots of people gather at lots of buildings. He's not afraid of you coming here. And I'm not saying do away with this because we're not supposed to forsake the gathering together of the saints. To encourage one another. Come on. And just stir each other up in good works. We're not to forsake it, so I'm not, by no means. We have our own church, so I'm not. Gosh, that would be silly. I believe in the local church. I do. But I don't believe that your pastor is your hook to God. I don't believe that your pastor would want you to think that he's your only way to the Father. Or he would be saying that he's Jesus, and I'm pretty sure that he doesn't say that. God has given us all the same opportunity to know him. We just choose to be fed by people instead of eating living bread ourselves. We have to eat living bread daily. God says, give us the Lord's Prayer. It's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's our model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but the Lord's Prayer is in John 17. But he taught us a model prayer because the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Why did they say, teach us how to pray? Why did they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray? Why? I guess Jesus prayed a lot. You look at his life, he's up earlier than everybody, he's sleep later than everybody. There crashed out, Jesus is coming back from the mountain. He's up there communing with the Father. His life was a life of prayer. His house, his temple, his person was a house of prayer. Jesus comes into the temple. And they're selling all kinds of different stuff in the temple. What does Jesus do? He flips out. He's turning tables, flipping tables, going through the street, a uh, three-strand cord. You've made my father's market, my market, house, my father's house, a marketplace, right? What is he doing? Do you know that when he comes into a believer's life, he wants to do the same thing in your heart. He wants to flip the tables and make your house a house of prayer. So picturistic. It's so perfect. Because we've become the temple. Jesus even talked about the temple. Tear down this temple, and in three days I'll build it again. And they're like, it took 46 years to build this temple. But he was talking about his body. And once we get saved, we become a temple of the Holy Ghost. A temple of God. A holy temple. But God wants us to understand who we are in its entirety. He wants us to seek the Father in secret so that we can be armed and dangerous in the public. Do you know that when you go into the secret place to seek the Father and to pray, you know the devil can't see you there? You know why? You're in secret. Do you think that Jesus didn't pray to the Father and talk about the cross? Think with me. Jesus prayed continuously. Do you think he never talked about the cross with the Father? Man, even on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was there with Peter, James, and John, he is praying. He's talking to Moses and Elijah about his departure. The devil had no clue still. Come on, think with me. The devil had no clue. He was openly talking about it with Moses and Elijah. The devil had no clue. He had no clue. It says if the powers and principalities would have known, they would have never crucified Jesus. You know what the devil would have done if he would have known? He'd have killed everybody trying to crucify Jesus. If the enemy would have known what was taking place and what Jesus was about to do, he would have killed everybody trying to kill Jesus. He would have been out to, don't do it! It'll be our end. But he didn't know. And he crucified our king. Do you know how exciting that is? He opened the door. The devil crucified the king. Jesus regained the keys. He comes up, talks to the disciples about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God raised from the dead, whoo, walks 40 days with those guys, in and out, in and out, ate with them, hung with them, and then goes... Whoosh. Where'd he go? Go to Jerusalem and wait. The same way that he went up, he's coming down. Listen. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. And you will be endued with tongues? No. No what he said. Thank God he didn't say that. I love tongues, and they're totally powerful, but that's not what God said was coming. Are you guys with me? He said, then you will be endued with power. He didn't say tongues, even though tongues, mean, some people are like, baptism of the Holy Spirit, I speak in tongues, praise God, that's the end. No, that's the beginning. That's like saying, when I get baptized, I get wet, and that's all that happened. Man, I got wet today. It was awesome. Give me a towel. It's over. No, you were buried today. You were buried today, went down in that water, and when you came up, the Holy Ghost midwife presented you to the Father. Look, Daddy, another one. Come on, man. My gosh, dude. It's so much more. So much more. All I'm doing is wetting your appetite, buddy. I am, because there's more. I am, you know how you have a campfire and stuff and you take that stick and you stir that stuff around, get the embers hot again? The only reason why you're not burning burning is because you put trash on your fire, man. Because when you got born again, there was a fire that came inside. And in the beginning you were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is awesome. But you didn't steward it. So this is amazing came... Yeah, I got saved. Yeah, yeah, I got saved like a year ago. Yeah, I did that two years ago. Then all of a sudden, yeah, I've been born again five years. What's the fruit look like? Well, I got born again five years ago. Yeah, but what's the fruit look like? Well, I don't know. Well, how you doing? I'm all right. That's not fruit. How you doing? I'm all right. You know. No, I don't. Tell me. You guys okay? Some people get mad at me for talking about this. I don't care if you're mad at me. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to cut your heart. I'm alive to slice people's hearts, man. With a sword of the Spirit. I live with the Word of God in me, man. I bury it in me and go inside my secret place and say, Here I am, Dad. I love you. I just want to know you. I don't want anything from you. I'm not here to get stuff from you. Was well, that Dan? He would tell me about his encounters in the secret place, like the rooftop opened and a hand came in. And I went, what "The heck are you talking about?" A hand came in. I saw heaven. I'm like, "Oh my God!" I go to my secret place, Lord. I promise. This is how it looked, Lord. I'm here. Silent, buddy. Nothing. I want the roof to open, I promise, listening to his encounters, and I found myself trying to compare myself to Dan, that's scary, because there's only one Dan, the Lord told me, compare yourself to me, I went, that's worse, way worse, (laughs) now bring grace in, And understand, Ephesians 5 says, be an imitator of Christ. And I went, okay, oh my gosh, there's some big sandals to fill. And I'm learning and understanding what does it mean to be an imitator of Christ. And the first thing after that is, and walk in love. Walk in love, even as Christ loved us. What does that look like? Can you go with me to uh, Philippians, Philippians 2? <clears throat> who, um, who is really after the supernatural and really wants to walk in the miraculous and you just have such a hunger? I'm going to give this to somebody. somebody. <clears throat> They're out there, please, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, (laughs) she's like, they're not expensive, and we have them in the lobby. That was a scary look right there. (laughs) No, that was the look of determination. I will own this. That was the, I will own this, and no one's stopping me. Why are women more hungry than men? it's scary I'm not kidding when I do conferences we do power and loves the women are like monsters not in a bad way I mean you know the first person that Jesus revealed himself to was a woman come on men Suck. okay am I doing okay alright sorry I like having fun. She was going to kill me. Did you see that face? She was like, gave away my book. I'm like, no. <clears throat> wow. Okay. You ready? Okay. I want to read this. And Philipp- Philippians is, I always tell my kids when I read something, I'm like this is my favorite part of the Bible. They go, Dad. Every time you read, it's the favorite part. Which one is going to be? Wherever I'm at, I guess. That's where it's at. But I have read the book of Philippians. Probably out of all, I've read the Gospels the most. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of Acts would be my second most read. Um, The book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, the book of Ephesians, would be the next most read book that I have that I've stay in. These are, these are constant camps for me. Like on my way here, I, I did the whole Gospel of John and three quarters of the Gospel of Matthew. And like, I just live there. I need to know. If I'm supposed to walk like Jesus walked, I need to find out how did he do it, how did he walk, right? So I need to be in the Word on a consistent basis. But the epistles are a great place to gain and understand your identity. Like the book of Ephesians is the only book in the Bible that has no rebuke. Like that Paul wrote, he has no rebuke in there. It's like it's totally solid. Ephesus was this place that when he came, they burned every book, every witchcraft book. They say that there was there was thousands and thousands of books in a bonfire. They burned everything. It was massive revival. And now it's known as Turkey. And it's not revival right now. There is pockets, but it wasn't like it was then. And we don't want that to be America. Okay. <clears throat> Let me just read Philippians 1 a little, because it's right before Philippians 2. You okay? All right. Sorry. Philippians 1, verse 21. We're going to touch this. We're going to pray for the sick. But I, but I want to... The last thing I want to do is pray for the sick and it'd be Todd White praying for the sick. If, if you give somebody a fish, they're going to eat for a day. But if you teach them how to fish, they eat for a lifetime. So what we need to be is totally equipped with why we can all pray for the sick. Because we don't want just a miracle to break out in here. We want you to walk in the miraculous Daily. Everywhere you go, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything as unto the Lord. Your job is your mission field, and I saw so many miracles on my job. Why? Because that's where I worked. And that's where we spend eight hours a day. We spend eight hours a day at our work, ten hours a day, twelve hours a day, sometimes people working overtime. What if Jesus was the foremost and the first thing that you thought about continuously, even though you're doing your job with excellence? Jesus? would never leave your mind. The focal point of the gospel is Jesus. We know that. And so what we want to do is we want to think like Jesus would think on our job on a consistent basis. Are you with me? If that's the place that you're going to spend 40 hours of your week, at least, for full-time employees, then that should be the place that you manifest the most. We shouldn't wait till we get into full-time ministry to manifest Jesus. Amen. If Christ is in me, and that's the hope of glory and the mystery revealed, then Christ coming out of me is that hope being made manifest. So what I want to do is I want to utilize every opportunity. It says to redeem the time for the days are evil. What does that mean? Bring every second back to the, to the reason why you were created for. To glorify Him. So Colossians 3:17, whatever we do, in word or deed, do it all unto the Lord and not for man. So even though so you're working for your boss, you're really working for the Lord. What we don't want to do is create a generation of flaky Christians. What is a flaky? What does that mean? You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You want to be so heavenly minded that you're earthly incredible. We need to break this whole Weird separation from the sacred and the secular away. We need to crush that thing. That came into the church, crept into the church in the, gosh, I don't even want to go into the years and when it happened. It's Reformation, all this different stuff. Regardless, sacred and secular, there is no separation from the sacred and the secular between your job and this building. This isn't just where it's sacred. Your life is sacred, your dinner is sacred, your dinner table is sacred, your bathroom is sacred, your shower is sacred. Your phone calls are sacred. The telemarketers that you avoid are sacred opportunities to share your faith. The Mormons that you don't let near your house that you hide when they come. The Jehovah witnesses that come to knock on your door, what an opportunity. Oh my gosh, there they are. Pull the shades. Get in the kitchen. I've had the most intense encounters, buddy, with Jehovah Witnesses that come to my house. Come on in. Bring your watchtower in with you. Oh my gosh, I have so much fun. I'll let them talk. Share. Wow, okay, so you're, okay, so you're interested. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay. Oh, we don't call him Jesus. We call him Jehovah. I said, I do too. Jehovah Rapha. So which one of you needs healing? Well, that's over there. It's over. When you get a word of knowledge about one of them, they will, you're in my house, so I need to pray for you. See that dog? He's going to keep you in your chair until I do. Oh! (laughs) If you only knew my dog, I've got a Cane Corso, he's like 140 pounds. Them. I'm just kidding. I haven't threatened anybody with a dog. But that sounds fun. Because the last thing a Jehovah Witness wants you to do is lay hands on them. They run, dude. I've had a couple opportunities to do that. They come to my door. I remember, I just, gosh, i got so much to share. It's so fun. I didn't even read the scripture, but it's, it's going to. I'm going to. I was about to read, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Amen. If we get that revelation, it's over, buddy. To live is Christ. That means your whole life is Christ. If you're alive, it's, it's for him. It's, it's that. You are here. You are here to imitate him. You are here to be like Jesus. The only mission of a Christian is to be like Christ. You are to be Christ-like. christ like in everything that you do, in everything you say, you are to be alive in Him and dead to you. And if you rises up, you kill Him with the truth that sets you free, and you walk in freedom, like this building, freedom. Amen. So these people come to the door. They sent they sent the girl from the car. the 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 elders are in the car yet. Hi, sir. How you doing? This is like you know she's learning. I said, I'm doing so amazing. How are you? She goes, I'm here. And I'm with, you know, the whatever. And she says, and uh, I wanted to talk to you. Is that okay if I talk to you? I said, I would love to talk to you. So she starts to give me the spiel. And I'm like, I asked her, I said, you're not part of the first 144,000. How does that feel? Because they believe that only 144,000. They've already been chosen. They're already selected. They're not that part. So they're not gonna. They're not the first wave. And I said, "What does that feel like?" She goes, "I don't know." I said, "Do you know that you're God's elect?" Well, I don't know. I I gotta ask them in the car. I'm like, "Oh, we'll bring them with you." So she goes to the car. She's frustrated. And yes, we'd like to help you. And I'm sitting there, elder so-and-so, elder so 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 nice to meet you. My name's Todd. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled, on-fire Christian, and I'm so <laughs> glad you came. And they, they are trained for debate. And I said, hey, I got a question for you. I know this is going to sound weird, It's going to sound really weird. I said, ma'am, when you came out to my house, I knew that you had a a disc in your neck that's herniated. She goes, it's true. I said, how about you? You have a shoulder that gives you trouble, and your left knee is killing you. So what I say is that you let me pray for you. He goes, sir, that's not in the watchtower. I said, oh, it is. It's in Mark 16. Turn to look. It says, these signs will follow them that believe. It's in their Bible. It says, they will lay hands on the sick. and And I said, are you guys believers? Well, yeah, but we believe in Jehovah. We believe. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Okay, let's call him Jehovah. That's awesome. Are you believers? Well, yeah. That means we can pray for each other. We don't believe in healing. I say, you let me pray for you and find out what's real. If it's not real, it's not going to happen. Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Also, we're 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 actually we actually have to go. And uh, I said, wait a minute. You guys are scared. You're living in fear. I said, that's wrong. I said, I have the Holy Spirit in me. We don't believe the Holy Spirit has, does any work right now. I said, well, he's in me. Let's find out if he's real. Do you know what's going to happen? You guys are going to run away. You're going to get in your car, and you're never going to come back here again. You know why? Because I know the Bible. And you hate that people know the Bible. Because most Christians don't read their Bible, but I do. I said, and I'm a living word, a living epistle. That's in your word, too. And he's like, well, sir, so we just... You know, well, you guess what's going to happen? I'm going to pray for you anyway. And your knee and your shoulder and your neck's going to be healed, and I'm not even going to touch you, and it doesn't matter. I said, Father, I thank you. And they ran to their car, dude. I walked out to their car as they're in their car. I held on to their window. I said, listen to me. I said, I was a drug addict for 22 years and an atheist my whole life. And I shared, and I tormented my girlfriend and told her I'd kill her for seven years out of my seven-and-a-half-year-old daughter's life. And my daughter watched her daddy as an animal threaten her mommy. I said, I smashed out car windows. I said, I did the most heinous of twisted stuff. I was extradited twice across America in an orange jumpsuit. I was kicked out of the military and given a bad discharge. A bad conduct discharge. A big chicken dinner. I hurt a lot of people. And you're going to tell me my Jesus isn't real. I was at the end of a gun. The guy unloaded a 9mm at me from 10 feet away. And the Lord said, I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? And none of the bullets hit my car. And you're going to tell me that my Jesus isn't real. I think something's wrong, man. Are you after people being saved? Because that's in your Bible too. Well, we are, but not like you believe. I said, well, I think that our belief systems are actually one and the same. If you'd actually let the word speak to you instead of letting an elder teach you what you think it means. And I said, "You guys call yourself elders, and you're very grown in the Jehovah Witness faith in the Watchtower. Yet you're confused, and you're running away from my house. Well, in the name of Jesus, I command your neck to be healed, your shoulder to be healed, and your knee to be healed right now, in Jesus' name. in The spinning rocks to get out. <laughs> my God." Is the same God that on Mount Carmel when they challenged Elijah. My God sent fire. My God didn't just send a little fire. My God sent fire that burned up rocks. Do you know how much heat it takes to burn a rock? Let alone the water, the sacrifice. And then every one of those prophets died that day. That challenge Elisha. I'm not. I don't want to kill like false prophets. I'm not after killing them, but I am after the challenge because I serve a God that sends fire, and I am not afraid. <laughs> to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, for I do not know which I would choose. I'm hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. That is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue for you, with you, for your progress Enjoying in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ what does that mean what does that mean to conduct your life worthy of the gospel man there's some big sandals to fill all he's talking about is surrender complete surrender to where your will becomes his will come on you guys with me Woo! This is a strong man's gospel. Yeah. This requires full surrender. God's not looking for partial Christianity. He's not looking for Jesus Incorporated, man. He's looking for full on, uh, give my life to you. I'm going to love you with my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. And I'm going to love my neighbors, myself. You can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself. And you can't love yourself unless you see what God says about you. Because you're not supposed to love the old man that's supposed to be dead. You're supposed to love the new creation that he's created you in his image and in his likeness he's made you. The Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's not supposed to be bondage in a Christian's life. Come on. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What does that look like? When I look in the mirror, I don't see regret, guilt, shame yesterday, or sorrow. I see Christ in me, the hope of glory, staring back at me saying, I love you. Oh my gosh. Okay, Philippians 2. Gosh, I'm getting more like Dan. Tell people the scripture and don't get to it till forever. I'm serious. I'd be in meetings with Dan. He'd uh, turn to so-and-so. It'd be two and a half hours till we get there. He'd say, I told you all to turn there, didn't I? And then he'd go, you know, I feel like I'm almost done. And we're like, that ain't truth. i tell him, you ain't telling the truth, bro. He goes, I was. I felt like I was almost done. But then the Lord changed it. I'm like, Dan. yeah." Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, if there's any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Do you know agreeing to disagree isn't biblical? <laughs> Boy, I just hate that thing. That's a sacred cow. I want to kill it. <laughs> agreeing to disagree. Well, you know, we can all draw together. We can agree to disagree. I hate that. Now, what does it mean to have the same mind? That's not agreeing to disagree. There's so many people who like to fight that and argue that. No, no, no. We if do you, can you imagine if the whole church actually got on the same page? Oh my gosh! If the whole church believed the whole gospel and just went after God with everything they are and didn't hold anything back allowed this word to speak louder than their experience allow this word to speak louder than what they didn't see because we create doctrine out out of what we didn't see man do you know that if it wasn't in Jesus' mouth that's not supposed to be in ours okay maintaining the same love what kind of love? God's love. What's that look like? He's going to describe it. United in the Spirit, intent in one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty deceit. Do you understand that James, I was in James this morning, it talks about selfish ambition. The wisdom from beneath is sensual and demonic, full of self-seeking and envy and every evil It doesn't say some, it says every evil thing is there. And it's the way that seems right to a man. Trying to get into ministry can be sensual and demonic, self-seeking and envy. Because you desire people to hear you. And you can build huge places where you've drawn a lot of people to hear what you have to say. And you can say a lot about nothing. We need to be more mindful of the things that matter most. Okay, sorry. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That is love. Hateful people, people that you can't even believe, would say that you regarding them as greater than yourself. You taking a boss that's just a heathen and a very angry person and regarding him as greater than yourself. Oh my gosh. It's called humility. What's humility look like? Choose someone else. Gosh. It's awesome. Why do we need humility? Cuz there's no grace without it. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble." When I'm preaching, people are like, well, you're aggressive. You're just aggressive. You're a little bit too much. What you see is passion and full devotion and fully trusting Him and believing in Him. I've been through hell more than anybody knows recently and pretty much over the course of my short 17-year life in Christ. I've been born again for 17 years. I am more on fire today than I was yesterday. And each day it's the same. I'm more than yesterday. Because nobody keeps me in yesterday but me. Do you know that the hardest times and the hardest trials, the hardest things that we go through, when we manifest Christ, And I didn't say it's easy. It's not a walk of faith. It's a fight of faith. But as we manifest Christ, when things are absolutely horrific and painful and betrayal and the hardest of heart, if we would just hold on to truth and go after Jesus with everything that we are, you will come out with a sharper, clearer crisper awareness of his presence, his love, his goodness, and his mercy. This is a very painful Christian life. It's called the fellowship of his sufferings. All of us want the power of his resurrection. Philippians 3. The power of his resurrection. But not many want the fellowship of his sufferings. But it's been granted to you the privilege of suffering. For the gospel. Oh. Woo! That wrecked me pretty good. Oh my gosh. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God. Listen very carefully right now, because this is the key to you walking in the miraculous. It's a key that you have to get and it has to be the foundation of it. And you will be completely ridiculed. You will be called a heretic. You will be called the worst stuff by people. Religion hates this with everything in them. They will completely, I mean, I'm talking death threats from Christians will come your way for believing what I'm about to teach you. It's in the Bible. It's right here in the Bible. It's just overlooked for some reason. Just like the scripture in Revelation, we've overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The devil blocks the love, you're not life, un, your own life unto death. He has Christians write songs about, we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And then they, block, they don't sing the lust of it. And we love not our own life unto death. Because that's how we overcome. If you love your own life, you can't overcome Have this attitude in yourself, which was in Christ Jesus. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance of man. He humbled himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those in heaven and earth and under the earth, And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so many people, amen, 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 right there. But I want to show you something that we miss. It says this, that Jesus, being in the form of God, existed in the form of God. Let's talk about this a little. Oh, that's 1229. Am I okay? He's like, I guess. You got something at 3 o'clock, so you got to be ready for that. Jesus did not come here to be God on the earth. That one right there causes people to go, ooh. I did not say that he wasn't fully God. But he emptied himself of every divinitive privilege. And chose not to utilize any divinitive privilege while he was here on this earth. It's very important that you see this. Why? Because the number, one of the number one things you'll hear from people that were caught in religion or are caught in religion is, well, who do you think you are? Jesus? Well, you're not Jesus. No, you're not. But you're to be an imitator of Christ. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus. Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit put Jesus in Mary's belly. When He was born, He was born the Son of Man. He was fully the Son of God. Never stopped being God, but He was born in His humanity. Very important. You read this out, you study this out, you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. The reality of this is that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Why? Why? Because he had to fulfill the covenant on man's side. God made covenant with man. Between God and man. Here's the covenant. I put before you all of this. If you walk before me all the days and fulfill all these. Not turn to the left. It's in Deuteronomy. Not turn to the left or to the right. But do all these things I put before you. All these statutes. Then it will be accounted to you righteousness. Jesus had to fulfill the law As a man, he couldn't fulfill the law as God. Why? Because God made covenant with himself and man. So when Jesus walked the earth, he didn't walk the earth as God, even though he was God's man. He was fully the son of man and lived in his humanity, emptied himself of the right to be God on this earth and chose not to utilize any definitive rights when he was here. And he did what he did as a man in right relationship with God. Jesus was tempted at all points, yet without sin. It talks about it in James, and it talks about God being tempted. It is impossible for God to be tempted. Jesus was tempted at all points, yet without sin. That one scripture verifies that he didn't do that as God. I promise you. So scripturally sound. People call this heresy... Because they say that I'm taking the divinity away from Jesus. I'm absolutely not. I am reading the Bible. And I'm not making it sound like what I want to. Jesus had equality with God. But chose not to recognize that. Come on, man. So Jesus, all the way up until the age of 30, did no miracles. Why? Why? Because the Holy Ghost hadn't come. The Holy Ghost hadn't filled him, hadn't rested upon him and remained. Come on, he comes to the River Jordan and John the Baptist is down there baptizing. Comes to John, he said, John, I need you to baptize me. And John says, you're coming to me, yet I need your baptism. But John couldn't have that baptism because that wasn't going to be to the day of Pentecost. And Jesus said, no, it's necessary that you baptize me so that righteousness might be fulfilled. So Jesus, in order to attain righteousness, you have to obey all the laws, all the commandments without missing one. So Jesus fulfilled all the laws and all the commandments without missing one. He gets baptized by John. The heaven is opened because somebody fulfilled righteousness. The heavens were opened for him and God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended, rested upon Jesus and remained. Come on. He goes out to the wilderness, comes back out of the wilderness, and the Holy Ghost in power goes about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Why? Because the Holy Ghost was upon him. So when Jesus healed the sick, it wasn't Jesus that was doing it. Jesus said in John 5 19, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he does, he does because the Father does it. For what the Father does, the Son does in like manner. So now you've got Jesus that goes and heals. And when Jesus is healing, it's the Father through Jesus that does the works. Jesus said, if you don't believe me through the things that I say, at least believe me through the works that I do. For it's the Father that dwells in me that does the works. How did the Father dwell in Jesus? Holy Ghost. Romans 8.11 says, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. I don't need quickening when for resurrection only. I need quickening now. So the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. So when Todd prays for the sick, it's not Todd that heals the sick. It's the Holy Ghost that heals the sick. Come on. This is so good because kids don't get a junior Holy Ghost. They get the same full-size Holy Ghost that was in Jesus. He doesn't go in different sizes. He's the same. Oh, this is so powerful. What does this do for you? This disables, well, that was Jesus. This disables that excuse from you, and this disables that very thing from somebody hitting you with that, and you going, that's right, that was Jesus. You have to say, I am here in Jesus' stead. Come on. So how does sickness get healed? Jesus said, speak to the mountain and the mountain will move. There's so many scriptures on healing. There's so many different things. But the basis for this is understanding that when Jesus healed the sick, he didn't do it as God. He did it in man's stead, fully human, son of man, filled with God. And now you are a human... You are a son or a daughter of God filled with the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus. That's why the same works that Jesus did and greater works will he who believes do because I'm going to go be the father. So the day of Pentecost, Christianity was born. Bam! Holy Ghost came down. And what happened? The apostles went about doing good. Healing and great... Signs and wonders followed the apostles because the Holy Ghost had come. That great gift and power from heaven was in the Holy Ghost and that great gift was in them and now these disciples were weapons of righteousness and every morning when you wake up the same voice that spoke from heaven to Jesus this is my son in whom I'm well pleased because righteousness has been imputed Imputed to us Righteousness Was imputed to us Because of that We've been made right with God So the same voice the Father says To you My son in whom I'm well pleased My daughter in whom I'm well pleased It doesn't matter who you are If you're a Christian You're in You're in doesn't matter what people say it matters what the Bible says. Stop listening to the voice and the enemy, the accuser of the brethren that tries to accuse us night and day. Who cares about the accuser? Who cares about being rejected when God says, you and I have been accepted in the beloved? Stand to your feet. Stand up.